Well, good morning. The, you know, I, in, the one thing that I, I hate doing is drawing attention. And uh, I got this crazy thing going on with my feet. And, I'm, and really, I, I've been to three doctors. And I guess that's why it's called practicing medicine. That's, it's like, well, we think this, we think that, you know, and I just, I, well, okay, whatever. So, you know, at first they thought it was plantar fasciitis or whatever that thing's called. And then, you know, now they thought it was some type of ligament in the front of my foot. Now they say I got these tears in my interior, something or another. And I said, oh, my goodness. So, but anyway, ignore the guy on the bench or the stool. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, please, to John chapter 10. John 10. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that enters into, or he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the, of the sheep. To him the porter opens, and the sheep hears his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he puts forth his own and then he, and when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of the stranger. Now this parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep, and all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door, and by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. Thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not seeth the wolf coming leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf catches them and scattereth the sheep. Harling fleeth, because he is a harling, and, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known of mine. As the Father knows me, even so I, I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. They shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd." Therefore doth my father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. And I've got the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up. This commandment have I received of my father. Would you please just stand with Bible in hand, and we'll pray over this text. <clears throat> father, we thank you again for your word, and... We do ask, God, that you would just anoint our minds and our hearts to receive from your Holy Spirit. I pray for anyone that's here this morning that might be just kind of weighed down with cares of this world or just maybe 
Maybe this is a season in their lives, God, where they're really going through it. I pray, Father, that your spirit would come, lift them above that, and let them hear what the spirit has to say. May we love you, Jesus. Not only was it a privilege, an opportunity to stand and worship, but now we have this privilege to study your word. Please, Father, I pray that you'll continue to put that desire in our, in our hearts to be disciples of the word learners father we love you jesus and again just commit this time to you and it's in your name we pray and everyone said together amen amen, amen. thanks in this passage jeez oh man in this passage Jesus is declaring that he is the good shepherd. And if you think about it, you know, um, this is probably one of the greatest and, and most comforting passage in all the scriptures. Uh, we find it in the Old Testament. We find it in the New Testament, this idea of sheep and shepherds, right? We think about uh, Psalms 20, 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Old King James, really, I shall not lack. I don't lack anything with him being my shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Um, he leadeth me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness or right onness, as we say it around here. He restores my soul, it says, And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy, and you anoint my cup, you anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over, and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I mean, this is probably one of those um, psalms that we teach our kids even at a very early age, yeah? You know? And, uh, but it's not only in Psalms 23, Psalms 100 and uh, verse 3 says, um, know that the Lord, he is God and that he has made us and we, and not we ourselves, we are his people and the sheep of his pastures. Hebrews, fast forwarding it to the New Testament, Hebrews 13 says, now the God of peace that brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. And so we have this idea that our Lord is the sheep, our shepherd and we are his sheep. And the reason why for many, maybe I, I shouldn't say for everyone, but for many, especially Christians, that this is such a great and comforting our portion of scripture parable is because we do realize that we are sheep. You know, we are... We are sheep, and that's what God has called us. And um, but sheep, you know, they're they're very interesting animals, you know. And because of our text, I kind of looked into you know the characteristic of sheep, and it's, it's kind of a bad study. But uh, I had to throw that in there. Don't throw anything up here. <laughs> My brother's going, oh boy, you know. And it's about sheep. And, um, but let me just share a few things about, about sheep, you know. Um, 
Most people take that whole title, you know, Christians are sheep, as a compliment. Well, after studying it, I'm not too sure if it was a compliment. They're, they're probably one of the dumbest creatures in the animal kingdom. You know, one, one farmer said they're as dumb as a bag of rocks. They have all these real, these weird quirkinesses about them, you know, like, I'll give you one, in, in Meg Psalms 23, um, it makes it even more real. Did you know that if, if um, sheep wander off by themselves, they'll get lost? If they accidentally just go around a mount and they, don't, they no longer see the rest of the herd or the shepherd, they keep wandering away. They, they, they will walk themselves right off of a cliff and not even know what the heck. And, and you know about the wool and all. If, if a sheep will uh, wander into water, the wool on it is so dense and heavy that they'll drown themselves. And when they're drowning, they make this really weird, bad sound, you know, uh, which calls the rest of them. They wade in and they all drown together. <laughs> not a bright animal, you know. He leads me beside still waters because they're dumb enough to get into probably class five rapids. He leads me beside still waters to green pastures. Why? Well, that creature, if he's not led, will just eat in an area and eat all the, the green and, and, and start to gnaw on the roots, which would make the animal sick. And they'll just stand there, get sick and die. They won't know to move on and find something greener. He leads me, that psalm says. He leads me to greener pastures. He restores my soul. This one article I read said that sheep, if they become sick, just take it for granted and they think they're, they're going to die, will just lay down and just try to die. The shepherd has to restore them, get them back up on their feet. I don't know. Why couldn't he have called it? Like, I would want to be called the stallion. <laughs> right? I mean, the, the elephant's supposed to be an intelligent animal. I mean, I would take that because he's a smart creature. If that's true about them, I don't know. But a lot, what about lions? I like lions. You know why I like a lion? Because they have defense mechanisms. They have a way of defending themselves. Did you know that sheep are t totally defenseless? They won't defend themselves. And without a shepherd, they're easy prey. Did you ever hear of meals on wheels? They're meals on hooves. And they're just devoured. A wolf will stay on the outskirts of the pasture and we'll always look for the weakest. We'll look for one maybe that might be sick. We'll look. They, and um, without a shepherd, they're defenseless. They become, they become a meal. You know, some say, you, you know, you, you prepare a table before my, uh, my enemies. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. And you just get this picture that now, the sheep has a lot of enemies. 
And sheep, if they're not careful and if they don't have a shepherd, they're not going to make it too long. A Christian needs a shepherd. You need a shepherd. You know, we kind of have this mentality um, or the comfort that we're sheep and he's our shepherd. But why are we so comforted over that? Because the shepherd does a lot of things that maybe we're not even aware of that we see in this text. What I want to give you is just out of this passage, just 10, 10 things to note down, you note takers, of why he is a good shepherd. And by the way, Jesus called himself the good shepherd. But 10 things. Number one, follow along with me this morning. He's a good shepherd because he enters in through the sheepfold. He enters into the sheepfold by the door. Now, before I explain that to you, let me tell you what a sheepfold is. It's a pen. Now, in, that, in, in those days and in that area, most likely it, this pen, four walls, was made out of stones. There's plenty of stones in Israel. Anybody been to Israel around here? Just raise your hand. How many? Of you? Ask them. Is there not a lot of stones in Israel? In fact, the tourists or the, your guide will say, take as many stones home as you want. It's the cheapest souvenir that you can, you know. I remember going back through customs trying to get my stones home. And I, I remember, you know, where David took the stones to, 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 to slaughter Goliath. Um, I went to that brook, actually, where they, they took these stones, where he took those stones. And uh, so I packed one up for each one of our Sunday school kids. And I would say, this is one of the stones David missed. You know, then later on, they told me that the tourist agency trucks them in and dumps the right size stone there so we can have our our stones. Money money maker. But there are and they would make these pens um, out of stones and maybe four foot high or so. But they would be all throughout the wilderness and, and where they would actually house their sheep. So say you're a shepherd or a shepherdess and you're out there and you're watching your flock and you don't want to go all the way back. You would find a sheep fold. You would find a sheep pen and then you would actually share that with other shepherds. So you would have a multitude of sheep, different sheep folds, but are herds. But nonetheless, they would all go in there for protection. And the one of the things that makes our shepherd such a good shepherd is that he always enters in uh, into the sheep fold. And to me, if you just wanted to make a side note, that's for, for, for protection. And that's what our Savior does. Our Savior, whether you see it or not, whether you recognize it at that time or not, he is our protector. He protects us more than you could ever, ever imagine or dream or realize. It's off the scope. You cannot, you could not fathom. When we see from eternity, when we see all things as they're to be known, when we know all things as they're to be known, we will be able to go, wow, that was God's hand on me. You know, I remember just at uh, 17 years old, I was kind of a crazy kid. And we always did things that were, were pretty n- stupid. 
And I remember I, I had a, a, a 68 Dodge Duster. How many of you guys remember the old Dodge Duster, right? 318, I had a hearse four on the floor, a, a 411 gear in the back. I mean, this, this car was a kicker, man, you know? So my buddy comes up with this idea. Let's see how fast we can go laying on the roof of the car. That's not a smart thing to do. Now here I go, okay, you first. No, 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 I said, I'll go first. So I went up there and I was able, my arms were enough to grab a hold of the roof drip rails, right? He takes off. And once I got up to around 80 miles an hour, there's a layer of air between you and the roof. You can't let go or you're flying. So I have to just think, okay, he's got to know that I'm, I'm facing death. And so eventually he slowed down, jumped out, and he goes, dude, that was so gross. Oh, man, I go, your turn. <laughs> so Mike gets up on there, and I think, now I know the safe speed, right? That's how smart we are. So I'm clipping about 90. And I'm thinking, I don't... And what our signal was to knock if you want me to stop. Well, I don't hear any knocking. So all of a sudden I hear, bam, bam, bam. And I'm thinking, how did... Here I jump out and his nose is bleeding. Here he used his face. <laughs> you're trying... You're gonna, you will never convince me that wasn't the hand of God keeping us down on that car. And I bet each and every one of us, maybe you're not as stupid as I was as a kid. But looking back, how many of you could testify that God kept his hand on you, protected you, not just physically, even emotionally and spiritually. He is our good shepherd because he takes us into an area of life where he totally protects us, whether it's on our mountaintops or whether it's in our valleys. He even has a way to protect us through our doubts and our disbeliefs. He hangs on to us, doesn't he, guys? And what does he hang on to us with? His right, righteous right hand, right? You know, fear thou not, I'm with thee. Don't be dismayed, I am your God. I will help you and I will uphold you with what? My mighty, righteous right hand. He does. So that's why he is good to us. Look what he says in verse 1 and 2. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that enters or enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs in some other way. He is a thief and he is a robber. A thief and a robber does not belong in that sheepfold or that sheep pen. How do we know if he's a thief or a robber? He didn't come through the door. He didn't come in through the proper access into that area. Now, number two, um, in number, uh, number two, the reason why he's a good shepherd, look what he says in verse three, to him, the porter opens and the sheep hears his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. There's three or four in this, in that one verse particularly, but the, the reason he is such a good, um, a good shepherd to us is because, um, There's a, uh, my Bible says a porter. Your, your, your New King James probably says there's a keeper, 
right? Keeper. And so he is the one, if the shepherd isn't there, he is the one who is the servant or someone who is going to protect that sheep or those sheep when the shepherd goes away. Do you remember what Jesus said right after the resurrection, right? He says, look, I'm not going to leave you or or no, I'm not going to leave you um, alone. I'm going to send to you the comforter, right? So the picture is that there is a porter in our lives as he's protecting us. We have the Holy Spirit in our lives to protect us. It's a beautiful picture. Um, In this parable, by the way, for you students of scripture, really where it says that I'm the sheep and there's a sheepfold, it's a parable that's written to the Israelites, the Jews of that area, and he's telling them that he is their shepherd, the sheepfold, the pen is Israel, and that if they really want to have access to the Father who loves the Son, they have to come through the proper means of entrance. They only can come in through the door. Any other way, the, the scriptures tell us they are a thief and they are a liar. For them, the, the porter would have been John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist. The door would have been... All the pro- the prophetic um, messages that the prophets had as it related to their shepherd, Jesus. Uh, part of that doorway would have been Micah 5.2. Out of the Bethlehem will come. He'll be born in Bethlehem. Out of Isaiah. He would be born of a virgin. That he would be born the son of God. That he would be deity, God in the flesh. They had all. They had a perfectly made proper entrance into the sheepfold, and yet they rejected it. And they were listening to crazy other teachings or voices. Now, number three, the reason why he's a good shepherd, and I really want you to note this, it's because the sheep hears his voice. And you know what, guys? There are a lot of voices out there, isn't there? There are a lot of other voices out there. You see, what happens, and and again, this is this shepherd who's coming up to the sheepfold early in the morning, and he will call them, and the porter will just step aside and allow his sheep to come out. The crazy thing is, only the sheep that knows the shepherd's voice will come out. I just watched this this morning. I got up pretty early this morning. And I was kind of Googling this whole idea of modern shepherds and, and sheep and stuff like that. I came across this one clip where it was in another country. I could tell by their accent, but they were there and there was students from a local high school. They looked high school. They looked like they were of high school age. And so the, he, the farmer said, go ahead and call the sheep over. And so this one cute little high school girl has gone, here, sheepy, 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 something like that, right? Well, they, these creatures don't even lift a head. So one, another teenager came up, tried to whistle for them like they were a dog. You know, you know no, no reaction. And this went on for maybe eight, eight different students. So he goes, I want to show you something. So the farmer goes over to the edge of the fence and it, I, and it looked like they might have even been a hundred yards away. They weren't even close to the fence. So he starts to make this crazy sound. And so he, ma- he makes the first sound all of a sudden you just see one sheep going 
and then another. And before you know it, a hundred and so, they're all like this. And then he makes another sound, and now they're all racing towards the fence. And he turns around, he goes, see, they didn't know your voice, but they know my voice. And that's exactly the way it is, or should be, for the believer. That we wouldn't know enough about our good shepherd, that when he does speak to us, oh folks, listen, dial it in. That when he does speak to you, you won't follow a strange voice, a thief or a robber, but you'll follow your good shepherd's voice. You'll know his voice. You'll hear his voice. He's going to allude to this twice. That's how important it is for this, for John or for our Lord as he tells this parable. He wants us to get this thought in our cranium, in our minds, that there is a voice of God. And you should not only hear it, but you should know it. There's an experience that goes along with his voice. It breaks my heart. You know, every now and then I'm talking to some people and I'm going, oh yeah, the Lord told me the other day that I needed, and someone will pull me aside and will say, wait a minute, you hear God? Now listen, I do not hear him audibly. I'm not saying he can't do that, but it hasn't happened to your pastor. I don't hear anything audibly. But if you ask another Christian that's been walking with the Lord, And I said to you, like if I was sitting down talking to my buddy Juan and saying, you know, God laid something on my heart. He told me the other night. He wouldn't question that. Why? Because he knows his voice, too. Maybe a lot of you today, too. You know his voice. You might say, I heard it in my heart. You might say, I heard it in prayer. I heard it in my meditation this morning. It saddens me because I think you can be a Christian. And still, because it maybe you were raised in religion religion is not a relationship. How many of you guys know that? Right. Religion is just religion. It's man's stupid attempt to try to relink himself back to God. It can't happen, folks. Religion sends more people to hell. It's a relationship that he wants with his sheep. The good shepherd wants you to know him by voice. You will hear his voice. It's in your heart. It's in the word. It's in our meditation. Now, I don't mean like this. Come on, don't get people get into TM. I'll spank you. No, what I mean, like David, I meditate upon your word day and night. He's always thinking about it. And when that happens, then you should be able, like, like this parable, be able to say, I, I hear his voice. I hear his voice. The very first time I heard his voice, I was putting a, an exhaust system uh, on a Super B, it was a Dodge car suit, the muscle head. I was putting an exhaust system and I smacked my fingers on something and it was one of those real close ones, you know what I mean? <laughs> Getting in the flash. And I remember just feeling so bad and I just said, Lord, I am so sorry. And I heard these words and they go, oh my son, I love you. Man, that made my day. Can you imagine that? Thinking you're totally blowing it. You're losing your witness and you apologize and you hear your savior say to you, Oh, I love you. How about Paul the Apostle? He knew him so well that when he was going to go towards Antioch, it says the Spirit forbade him. The Holy Spirit spoke to his heart and was able to say, I don't want you to go in that direction. I want you to turn around, go somewhere else. Folks, God's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a God that changeth not. Every Christian should be able to say, I've heard him. And if you don't, if you don't, there's several reasons why, but... 
just go to him. Ask him, Lord, I want to hear your voice. Am I banking on a strange voice? Am I banking on somebody's, you know, theology or their philosophy? Am I banking on someone who has great oratory skills and they got flared to him, so I'm following him? See, he's our shepherd and he's the one leading us. Amen? You with me this morning? Come on, you guys, you're second service. You should be lively. Yeah. Yeah, I know. You got my back. You always got my back. Number four. It's in verse 3. To him the porter opens. And again, the sheep hears his voice. That was two. Three, and he calls his own sheep by name. Now, I don't know about you folks. I love when people know my name. You know, you, a Christian, he is the best at deceiving people. He is, right? Hey, brother. You don't know his name, so you just call, hey, hey, brother. If I call you, hey, buddy, I don't know your name. But isn't it a great thing, man, when someone walks? You know what really thrills me? And I'll, don't, every, don't everybody do this because it's obvious. But I like when people call, come up and say, hey, Harry. That, I know we have a relationship with each other. I know that we know each other. When someone says, can I talk to the Reverend Presley, please? This guy is clueless. This guy does not know the Reverend Harry Presley. Or he would say Reverend Harry Fox Presley. No, but there's something about someone knowing you by name. It's a personal thing. You know, I'll share a little story for you. Um, year, a, a few years ago, it must have been, Calvary Chapel Magazine called and they said they wanted to interview me and Joe Foge. And I went... Well, let me see if I can make room for you. You know, please. And so I said, sure. So we had this interview and all. And of course, yours truly was just waiting for the first issue to come out. I wanted to see my name. And I'm reading through and all of a sudden I come across my name. Harold Presley from Calvary Chapel. Harold? That? It took my breath away. It's not even my name. See, I don't know. I just, I, when you can call someone by their, just, just, that they know your name. See, our shepherd knows our names. Now, we have two things. He knows our names right now. He knows John. And he knows Vera, and he knows, and the list goes on and on, back, he knows us. In fact, if you've got a nickname, he probably will call you by your nickname. That's how well he knows us. But there's going to come a day where he will reveal to us as well our new names in heaven, written on a white rock, only in heaven, not now. There's a real weird teaching. Be careful, sheep. There's a teaching now that if you go into a certain wilderness and you meditate upon some kind of rock, he will reveal your heavenly name. That's heresy. It's not true teachings. But listen, uh, so he knows us with, by our name. That was number four. Uh, number five, look again at verse three again. To him, the porter opens, the sheep hears his voice. He calls them by name. And then what does he do? He leads us out. You know what, gang? 
our Lord, our shepherd, and the reason why he's a good shepherd is he leads us. He goes, well, Harry, that's what it says. No, no, no. Do you know the difference between a shepherd and a cowboy? Shepherds will always lead. Cowboys drive. And they use harsh um, instruments. The rod and staff that's mentioned in Psalms 23 was an instrument to guide sheep, to lead sheep, and to correct sheep. But the cowboy, he has got a whip. He's got brutal sounds that he makes to drive the herd forward. Not our, not our shepherd. He is so good that he leads us. And then when I started to think about that, leading us, that I, I, lights went on. I went, well, then that means you're always there before we even get there. He leads us, meaning he's already there. So no matter if you're on a mountaintop, our Lord is already there waiting on us. If he's leading us into a valley experience, he's there. He knows how to protect us. We will hear his voice, whether it's on the top or, on the, or in the valley. But he leads. He doesn't, he doesn't drive. You know, I have never once heard the Lord say to me, Oops. Or her, I need some counseling here. I'm not sure where I'm going. He's never asked me for directions. And you know what, guys? That's a blessing. Because I'll be honest with you. I can relate to sheep. I can relate not having all the wisdom and all the knowledge. I'll be honest with you. Every morning I listen for my shepherd's voice. Every morning. You will listen for, to a voice. But every morning, I, I, Lord, help me get up. Help me, Lord, show me what passage of Scripture that you might want me to study. We all, all of us will follow a voice of some sort. A lot of us, in the very early mornings, we follow the voice of coffee. <laughs> ah, tell me we don't. How many of you guys got one of those you preset the night before? What wakes you up? What's calling you? Huh? We all do. We all have shepherds leading us. You know, one of the scripture verses that I kind of tend to lean on is out of John chapter 14 where he says don't let your heart be troubled you believe in God believe also in me for in my father's house there are many some translations will say mansions some will say rooms if it were not so I would have told you behold I go to prepare a place for you he doesn't we don't arrive to heaven and, and him saying hang on I still have to build it's already prepared Everything, listen, tune in, gangs. Everything in your life, he's already prepared. Higher, I don't know. What about that valley experience? Prepared. The mountaintops, he's prepared it. Higher, I've just been diagnosed with cancer. He's prepared it. I'm sorry. And he won't lead you. He's a, leave you. He is a good shepherd. And he will talk to you if you know his voice and senses his spirit. 
He will be the one who says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you until the ends of the age. He's the one who leads us. He never, even when it, it goes into the eternal, he's already prepared the place for us. What am I trying to say is there's no mistakes. No mistakes. God is never going to say, oops. God is never going to ask for your take on it. But we can rest in the fact that he is our good shepherd. And that's what makes him so good. Number six, he's a good shepherd. And it's, again, the second time he alludes to this. Because they know his voice. Look at 4 and 5. Verses 4 and 5. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them. He leads them. And the sheep will follow him. Why? For they know his voice. A stranger they're not going to follow. Remember, you know, when that shepherd came up to that sheepfold, that pen, he would call them. They would hear his voice. Heads would pop out. Then they would experience his calling and they would start to filter out. The others would stay in there. Just the ones that belonged to that shepherd. You know, every now and then I have the privilege of, of just talking with other Christians, especially here. And uh, once in a while, someone will say something like this. You know, Harry, um, I was visiting so-and-so and, -so and uh, I went to a, another church and you know what? I, I couldn't put rhyme and reason to it, but there was something he was trying to allude to. And I just could not hear what he was trying to say. Just a different sheepfold, just a different sheep pen. It's not your shepherd. See, our shepherd, our Jesus, we will hear and we will know what he's saying, meaning that we will have an experience to what he's saying. How many of you have ever gone through a devotion and it was something you read in the morning and then God fulfilled it in the afternoon? And has that ever happened to you? Or maybe he's warned you about something and you're kind of like a dumb sheep. You've kind of wandered away and you're not letting him lead you. And you find yourself coming back because of something he had said to you earlier. That's experiencing his word. So let me ask you a million dollar question. How can he lead if a Christian can't hear or experience the word of God in their lives? The bottom line is they can't. And it really does break my heart because I, I will see Christians and there's not a thing I can do about it. It's a killer because I want to tackle them. I want to tell them you're going in the wrong direction. And, and, but if they're not listening to his voice, why would they listen to my voice? And you almost have to let them go. And then they start to go down a different direction. But he's a good shepherd. And he, they will make their way back. But we have to know and hear his voice, folks. Ver number seven. Did I do six? Yeah, they know his voice. Number seven. Look at, look at verse seven and eight. Ver Jesus said unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. And all that came before me are thieves and robbers, these other so-called doors, thieves and robbers, and the sheep did not hear them. Gang, there is only one acceptable means of entrance. Only one. And many out there in the world, and I'm even hearing Christians say it. That it isn't so narrow. Be careful of the narrowness of the Christian believer. I'm sorry. 
It is a narrow way. And there is only one choice. Well, there's two, right? But to enter into his sheepfold, there is only one choice. And that is to go through the proper entrance. Listen, if you came to my house, I don't care how big you are. You could be as big as Mike Ty. You come through my window. That is not the proper way to come into Harris' house. I'll sick my Jack Russell on you, man. <laughs> you know, and, and it's even going through the church today that it's not so narrow. That it's broader than that. No, folks, there's one voice to hear, one voice to experience. There's only one porter and there's only one door. And that's our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only way, the only truth, the only way to get to heaven. Amen. Now, listen, I can I be honest with you? I never struggled with that. Never. Now, even when I became a Christian, I didn't. When, when my brother said, Howard, there's only one way, I didn't go, oh, wait a minute, that's pretty narrow, brother. I was so blown away that there was a way. That God in heaven, the creator of the universe, looks down at a bunch of sinful people, and out of his great love, his demonstration of love, he would become a man, he would become a shepherd, he would become a door, and he would take us into a sheepfold. That blows me away. And you know what it does more than just blows my mind? Please listen. There's something that happens in my heart. I pray that it happens in yours. I just fall deeper and deeper and deeper in love with him. I don't find fault with him. My highest mountains, my lowest valleys, I have never, ever. Now, I've gotten angry. But I've never fought him for mountains or valleys or bad experiences. It, and I was sharing this last week. It's just life. It rains on the just as well as the unjust. But our shepherd is there no matter. Remember that poem years and years ago about the footprints? How many guys remember that poem? Yeah, I'm not going to try to even... But it was that time where, you know, she looks back, she sees two sets of footprints, right? And she's walking along the beach. And then she goes through a storm, a storm comes in, and she looks back, and now she only sees one, thinking it is her set of footprints. And she kind of faults him when I needed you the most. Why is it that you love me? Because my child, when you only saw one, that was me carrying you. And that's what he does. Our shepherd's so good. He carries us through our valleys. See what I mean? You just got to fall in love with him. Listen, if you're the kind of person where you just have to find fault, give that up. If there's any fault, it's within our sinful nature. That's all. God's got us, guys. He's our great shepherd, our good shepherd, right? I'm just so blessed that there is a door. Number eight. The reason why he is a good shepherd, he leads us, yes, but he leads us to an abundant life. Look at verses 9 and 10. I am the door, and by me if any man enters, he shall be saved. Only one way, right? And shall go in and out and find pasture. A thief cometh not 
but to steal and to kill, to destroy. But I have come that they might have life. He could have stopped there. I would have been good with that, right? Then he goes on to have an abundant life. Now listen, folks, tune in, dial in. This is the problem with this verse. Many people think it has to do with like financial blessing or you're never going to get sick again. This abundant thing that they call. No, that's not what it means whatsoever. Not at all. Listen, I don't have enough time to go make, make it, um, to explain it in totality. But listen, if God has provided for you, who's carried you through your storms, who's given you enough to enjoy his presence and the love is where that is an abundant life. How many have heard you and I, we have heard people who come into a lot of money, but it, 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 it's not an abundant life anymore. Now there's more weight. How many of us, you know, we're so into this health and wealth and name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. And when you finally embrace that kind of teaching, you find out this isn't an abundant life whatsoever. I feel more bound now than I've ever felt. Now what? An abundant life to me is a free life. Free from the cares of this world. Free from all that heavy extra weight that I want to try to put on my back. No, he has lifted that up off of me and he has given me an abundant life. I'm free. And I can enjoy, I can enjoy life, whether it's of great wealth or of great poverty, of health or sickness. He is so good as my shepherd, I get to experience his presence. And you want to talk about an abundant life, folks. That to me is an abundant life. Number nine. He's a good shepherd. Because he gives his life for his sheep. Look at verse 11. Back up a little bit. I'm a good shepherd. A good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. And then drop down to verse 15. As the father knows me, even so know I the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. Not only did he have the power to raise his life, he also had the power to lay it down. Well, what kind of power does that take? How many of us ever had to crawl over to a cross and lay down on it? How many of us has ever experienced a martyr's life? You read about these missionaries so in love with their good shepherd that they would choose death over, over life. That to me is powerful. The Bible tells us that it was by the power of the resurrection that he rose from the dead. This is a power and authority that gave this shepherd, our good shepherd, the power to actually die for us. How many of you guys ever saw the passion, the movie Mel Gibson put together? The closest thing you could ever get to a Roman's crucifixion, if you really want to know what they were like. But there's this one part when they took him up to Golgotha and the Roman soldiers were scattering around trying to get the get things ready. And there was this one moment where Jesus was left alone, laying on the dirt, bleeding. He turns his head and he sees the cross laying next to him. He rolls over. And then rolls again to lay himself on the cross. Jesus says, no man takes my life. 
I give it. When he died, it was hanging on the cross. He didn't die because his blood just drained from it. He says, Father, into your hands do I commend my spirit. He died by the power of his father. That's our good shepherd. Our shepherd was willing to humble himself to become a man. You know, God gave him enough power to endure loneliness. God gave him enough power to endure anxiety and fear. God gave him enough power to be able to get through those fine, narrow vocal cords. Not my will, but yours. That's powerful. Lord, if there's any other way. See, the threat to him at that point wasn't the death, the brutality. It was something that he would have to echo from his cross. Eli, Eli, lama shabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Knowing he would endure loneliness from his father, he had the power to lay down his life for us. That makes him a good shepherd. To give me the riches of the world does not make him good. It doesn't. To give me all the health one could ever imagine does not make him good. What makes him good is that he had the power to lay down his life for us. Rich, you can make your way out. But listen, guys. We start to wrap this up. The one challenge, and I challenged the first service. How much do you love Jesus? It's real easy to just say it. Oh, I love him. I love him. And when I say that, I mean it with all my heart. I really do. I love him. I love him. I, my, I couldn't tell you how much I love Jesus. It's, it's, I can't measure it. But every time I think of what he has done for me, and not even the resurrection, tells us that he was resurrected by the power of God. And I'm glad he's we're going to be celebrating that on Easter, right? What's more powerful to me and what causes me to fall deeper in love with him is that every time I examine him on Good Friday, We come together on Good Friday and we sit there with the elements in our hands. This is my body, which is broken for you. I start to think of everything he went through as a good shepherd. How badly he was beaten. You know, the very elements, the very, the very thing that holds that hammer together the very hammer that nailed him to that cross, he held together. When I look at that and I examine that, I fall in love with him. You know, would you stand with me? Number 10, if you were following, was just that a good shepherd will raise 
from the dead. That's obvious. It says that there in verse 18. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it back up. But I, I read this thing and I, I, I start to go right back to the sheep. How sheep are prone to wander off. And we, and we all can do that in our relationship with him. We can get caught up just with life in and of itself. And then we, we get up and we look around and we go, well, where's the Lord? Where's the sheep? Where's the, where's the flock? And it happens to all of us. Would you just lower your heads for a second, please? Just please, no one looking around. It just sometimes it just gives people courage. You know, I want to ask all of us, including your pastor, this moment right now. Is there anyone in their hearts they just feel like they have wandered off? You're not in sin. You're not doing any of that, but you're really not in love with Him the way you desire to be. And you just want to find your way back. Would you raise your hand and then just put it back down? Yeah. Yep. And you can lower it right back down. You know, a lot of times, we you can look at me again. A lot of times, um, I, I, in my office, I, I raise my hand. I, I can get so busy doing the whole pastor thing, get so busy in people's lives around here, you know, that I forget that he's my good shepherd, that he wants to lead me. He wants me to hear his voice. He wants me to experience his voice. And I raised my hand. I said, I just got to get back. I got to get back into that little sheepfold, that little pendant area with him and and every morning, just ask him, speak to me, Lord. There was an old song we used to sing, speak to me, Lord, for your child is here, something like that. I know he wants to speak to you guys. I know that every one of you, my sisters, he wants to speak to you, brothers. He wants you to experience his voice every morning, every afternoon. Just refocus. Listen for his voice. He'll tell you exactly how to get back. He's a good shepherd. Lower your heads for me. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, I just thank you and love you. And, you know, sometimes, God, I just wish you would help me, Lord, when I just keep saying the same thing over and over and over. But it's so important, Lord. Maybe that's why I'm repetitive in some issues, Lord, for all of us, that we would hear your voice, that we we would experience that voice and that we would look for that door and come in. So, Father, wherever we're at, Lord, in this life, this side of eternity, Lord, we're just going to listen for your voice this morning and we're going to experience your word as we just come back into that fold. Forgive us for wandering away, Lord. Forgive us of the fear and doubts Forgive us of our selfish desires, if that's the case. And Lord, we just want to hear you. 
We love you so much, Jesus, and I know that love grows. And I pray for everyone, all the family here at CCSJ, God, that we would grow deeper in love with you. And that you would be the only voice we would hear. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said together, Amen.